serves. This is Sir Gene with your morning update in the afternoon. I'm back. My power's working. The house is warm. My pets are in good shape. Everything is, well, it's pretty good. It's not great. Austin still has some problems. There are some food shortages. There's some gasoline shortages. There are plenty of really long lines for the places that are open. Most food establishments are shut down, a lot more so than they were during COVID. So there's a ways to go. But let's not talk about that today. I actually want to switch gears. I do want to come back in a future episode to a reevaluation of the ice storm and the ensuing mess that it created with all the electrical outages happening. But today, I want to not really think about it and just jump around to a few other topics that are less immediate to me personally, let's just say that. So with that in mind, I want to, before we get even into the news, I just want to mention a couple of things that the podfather Adam Curry made me aware of, which is very interesting stuff I wanted to make sure I pass on to you guys. And I guess I, I tended to think I'm aware of where their efforts are with Podcast Index, but apparently I haven't been because there's a few cool things going on. One of the coolest things that he showed me is called castcoverage.com. So C-A-S-T-C-O-V-E-R-A-G-E.com. And the reason he showed me cast coverage is because I was thinking of this neat idea kind of combined off of what Adam was talking about in the last Podcasting 2.0 podcast in really what can we do to treat podcasting a little bit more like radio. So how is radio different from podcasting? When you flip radio channels, radio stations, I would assume these days mostly, if you do it at all, it's going to be in your car back for those of us that are super old, like Adam and I, we would do that in our homes as well as our cars. And either by by turning a dial or if it's a digital radio, by pushing buttons uh, to move up or down the spectrum. And what happens when you do that, the same thing as changing television channels, is you go from one active in-progress podcast to another active in-progress podcast. Because the problem right now, and I don't think this is a huge problem, guys, but hear me out. Right now, if you are listening to a podcast, whether it's for the first time or maybe it's one you already subscribed to and it's just getting boring or maybe you're just not in the mood. Maybe it's a podcast about politics and you've had all the politics you want for that day. You want to listen to something a little more cheery and happy and maybe about video games. So what do you do? Well, right now you could do a search by by some categories maybe and then pick a podcast that has a cool image on it because that's all you know about the podcast before you listen to it. And then it'll start up. And generally with podcasts, my podcast included, the first 10 to, let's say, even 30 seconds, uh, depending on the podcast, will be an intro. So you get some intro music, you get an intro to the podcast. For some people, you'll get some begging for money and for upvotes and for reviews. But nonetheless, you get a bunch of repetitive stuff at the beginning. You'll get some at the end as well. But you don't really get to the juicy bits until somewhere in the middle. And for people that are just sort of recording a free flow of ideas, those juicy bits might be towards the front because they're the most important things they can remember. For people that are using a little more strategy and planning and organization, they're running off of an outline, they'll usually have 
progressively more juicy bits, more interesting topics as the podcast continues. So really what you want to listen to is something that could be closer to the end of the podcast. So my thought was, and again, I'm just basing it off of what I heard Adam and others talking about. It's not something I invented, but nonetheless, it's a neat thing. My thought was, can we take podcasts and have the experience that we used to have with radios? And the experience of turning the dial and going from the middle of one song to the middle of a, a totally different song, middle of classical music to the middle of rock music, not the announcer for both of those when you're switching between them. And as I was describing that to Adam, he said, hey, why don't you go to castcoverage.com and see what you think of that? And I did that and I was like, oh my God, this is exactly, well, let's say it's 80% of what I was describing. So it is a super simple, super rudimentary website. Clearly, it is compatible with mobile devices because it is so damn simple. And when you go there, it randomly picks a podcast and starts playing it. Now, if you don't like the podcast that it randomly picked for you, you can go forward and skip to the next random podcast. But you can also disable certain things about the podcast, like, for example... Oh, this last podcast I clicked on, well, it was about video games. I don't want to listen to video game podcasts, so I can click on the disabled category for video games. And then when I click, pick me another random podcast, it picks something that has no video games in the topic. So let's say it gives you a TV or film. I don't want to really want to listen to that either. So you click another fast forward button after disabling those categories. Oh, look at this. We got a news and politics podcast. Okay, I want to listen to this one. And it also doesn't start at the very beginning of the podcast. It actually starts somewhere in the middle. And that middle, according to Adam, which is pretty cool, is actually chosen per episode by the person creating the podcast, which is exactly what I was trying to describe to him. And somebody already did it. Well, that's actually the best news, right? When you can think of something cool and then find out that it already exists and you don't have to build it yourself, and you don't have to wait for somebody else to build it because, hey, it's already built. So this is very cool. So this idea of treating podcasts more like a radio, I really came from listening to conversation and really bashing, if I'm fair, that Adam and the gang over at Podcasting 2.0 was having talking about the app called Clubhouse. Now, the Clubhouse app, if you haven't heard about it, and I, I assume most people have, it's a fairly recent app, came out in the last probably four or five months, but it really hasn't picked up steam until the last two months because a lot of Silicon Valley billionaires and millionaires have gotten on it. I'm sure by invitation, it wasn't random. This stuff is planned, but because that happened, it drew a large crowd of other people. It is by invitation only. It has exclusivity, which also drives a lot of people to want to join. And in the current time frame, it's still very much the early days of the app. There has been some really unfettered access to people that have built really large tech companies in Hollywood that anybody can go and listen to. Normally, these are people you don't get a chance to hear other than through sound bites from news, or if you happen to go to a conference that they're speaking at, or you happen to work for a very large corporation that paid a lot of money to have these people come in and give a presentation on some topic. So it's kind of neat. I, I like the idea, but just as importantly as having somebody like an Elon Musk speaking and being able to walk into that room, 
is the ability to create your own conference room on the fly and invite people that you want to invite to it and then have random people showing up and maybe some of those random people you feel are are somebody you want to invite up to speak as well. You can assign those rights to them and the room can start off very small, have three to five people in there and then before too long, it's a thousand person room and you're the, uh, the person that's sort of managing on who gets to speak in that. I think it's a neat idea. I said from the get-go, this thing has nothing unique about it. There's no IP here. It is just absolutely ripe to be knocked off. There should be multiple versions of this related to just about every platform, meaning Microsoft, Facebook, Google, Apple. They all will probably have some variant of their own version of this. Apple probably the least likely simply because this app, along with being exclusive for invitations of people that are on it, it's also an Apple-only app. So they made the decision early on to say, look, the movers and shakers all use iPhones. Nobody that really is a power player is going to be using an Android device. I agree with them. So hence, there is no Android client. There is no Windows client. There is no Mac client. There is only an iOS client. So you better have an iPad or an iPhone and a lot of people have actually gone out and bought the cheapest iPhone or the cheapest iPad they could just to get on this app. Now, I don't want to turn this into a big commercial for Clubhouse because unless you're invited, you can't get in anyway. And frankly, it is a waste of time. And I have to agree with Adam on that. It's cool simply because it's new and because of the people that are currently on it. The concept itself is meh. Nothing particularly special about it. The reason I got on it, aside from just simply being invited, was that there is a lot of conversation about podcasting on there. I think the quote-unquote podcasting community of people on that app numbers in the uh, two to 4,000 range. So at any given time, there are multiple groups of people in different rooms discussing podcasting or some aspect thereof, including some of the biggest podcasters that are out there, people that have made uh, seven figures off podcasting have been coming and going in there. And I don't know, I think it's just neat to start to both hear from people like that, get some ideas, but also occasionally get pulled up to speak on the stage as well. I've been interviewed a number of times on there, and it's just a, a fun little thing to turn on before going to sleep for an hour or so and see what kind of interesting stuff you get. Now, there are also tons of affinity groups that have nothing to do with business or podcasting. There are groups talking about politics, groups talking about race relations, a lot of groups talking about uh, human relations and how to get women to marry you or how to get men to not cheat and all these types of topics. So all said and done, I think it's interesting, but man, is it a time suck. With media, uh, with traditional social media, where you're looking at some static site, or I guess it wouldn't be static, at an active site, like say a Facebook or Twitter or any relative thereof, even no agenda social, you can pace yourself, right? You can be doing something and, and then have this running in the background on a side monitor and glance over towards it. Something interesting comes on, you pay attention. Otherwise, you're not paying attention a whole lot. It's something you can have running as a sideline. Same thing with podcasting. It's one of the benefits, right? Is that we can have a podcast running and playing while we're driving, probably not while we're having a meeting, but plenty of people listen to podcasts while they're working, while they're programming, while they're doing some other activity that doesn't require 100% concentration and allows you to be still passively listening 
maybe you'll lose a word here and there, but you get the general idea. And most podcasts, frankly, this one included, if you miss a word or two here and there, it's not really that big a deal. You will survive. So unlike all these things, Clubhouse is real-time only, speech only, no video or text. And so either you're on and you're listening and participating, or you're not on and you're missing everything. Again, not really a huge problem for me. I just think it's a neat little passive thing to do on occasion, or if I if I want to talk to some other folks that are into podcasting. But there are definitely a lot of people that are on it literally all the time. They're on it at 5 a.m., they're on it at noon, they're on it at 9 p.m., they're on it at midnight. I don't know when they sleep. I'm not sure that they do sleep. I think a lot of them don't sleep. I do have one buddy that uses it uh, very effectively for his business. He has a course about LinkedIn. Hey, Josh, how's it going? And he has been using, uh, he's, well, he's been on the Clubhouse app a lot and then basically just talking, setting up rooms to have these conversations in about LinkedIn and better ways to optimize your LinkedIn profile, things you can do to really maximize being seen, blah, 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 blah. And by talking about that stuff for free, people find out what he does, who he is. He sells a course that teaches people how to improve their own LinkedIn. He has been doing really well selling courses to people. I don't want to get into any details because I don't really have his permission to do so. But nonetheless, he's done a great job of utilizing that medium of Clubhouse to generate just absolutely tons and tons of sales of his actual product that has nothing to do with Clubhouse. It has to do with LinkedIn. So where was I going with all this? I just wanted to talk about Clubhouse a little bit as a comparison and because that's the thing that led me to cast coverage, which is the app that I started off talking about that converts podcasts into a radio. Because in Clubhouse, as you select one room to the next room to the next room, it is that exactly that same type of radio experience or flipping the channels on the TV set. Uh, you go from people talking about their their personal uh, love life to people talking about uh, marketing to people talking about some technical Unix-related thingy or other to uh, discussions about AI. And I think that's one of the cool aspects of Clubhouse, but it absolutely can be duplicated with podcasting. If I can have the ability to flip on my podcast app in my phone to flip to a, well, let's call it a pseudo random. Like it, it can be random, but I also don't want a whole bunch of different categories that I just don't care about. So I'm going to disable a lot of things from that randomness if I was to do it, but nonetheless have the ability to switch and find cool new things to think about. And of course, once you find something, even though you're starting in the middle of the podcast, if it's something interesting enough, hey, I have chapters now with Podcasting 2.0. I can actually go back to the beginning of that particular chapter so I can hear the full story that that guy's talking about. Or I want to go all the way to the beginning of the podcast and hear the entire episode. I, I'm able to do that. Of course, subscribe as well. So this app that I'm describing as a mobile app does not currently exist. It's hopefully going to exist, but we have some very similar and fairly close in features, although not complete things like cast coverage. But I think the goal here with all the podcasting 2.0 stuff is to just think about and talk about and create some prototypes of what the future should look like with podcasting. 
and I'm really excited for it. I'm excited about the future of podcasts. I'm excited about the future of specifically the uh, Podcasting 2.0 and the new index that Adam's building and the whole team involved on that. It's all a volunteer effort. Those guys are putting in blood, sweat, and tears to build it out. They're, they're doing it as a uh, corporation as well, obviously. You need a legal entity to be able to own this stuff so that the big techs that we currently don't like, we used to like, like Facebook, Apple, uh, Amazon, Google, etc. So they're not the ones controlling the index. The index should really be in the hands of a completely depoliticized third party that is not making decisions based on cancel culture, but is making decisions based on how can we provide the most variety possible within the bounds of the law to our user base. And I think that's certainly the goal. And, and my hope is that's where we're going to end up and wrestle the control away from the, the big tech companies. And I think they're going to help us do it by making mistakes and stumbling. And at each time that happens, it's going to bring more and more people on the side of the free and uh, democratized index rather than an index that's controlled by a single corporation. So that's kind of my, I guess, little topical conversation for today. And now let's jump into the political news. So what has been happening? There's obviously been an awful lot happening as I've been stuck without electricity. I really, I, I don't think it's a particularly interesting to catch up on all four days of what's happened that this would also turn into a multi-hour episode at that point. And I don't have the time or interest in doing that. So what do I want to do? I want to just run through some of the, the more recent stories that have popped up. I have to mention Bitcoin uh, is over 55K, which is insane. And I've been saying insane and Bitcoin in the same sentence for probably about six months now. It keeps being insane. So I'm going to keep saying insane. Realistically speaking, and I've had the debates and conversations with a lot of people about this. I think Bitcoin is an interesting, how do I describe it? It's not even so much an investment currency. It's really a, it's, it's a short term. And by short term, I'm not talking like a day or an hour. I mean like a year, maybe medium term. Maybe it's a medium term investment strategy that is probably going to be pretty good until there are no more coins to be mined and has the risk potential of being devalued if there are some major anti-crypto, anti-Bitcoin laws that end up coming out in, in large countries like the US or the UK or the EU, less so in, in sort of second world countries. But certainly for the first world countries, if there's any major legislation around Bitcoin and crypto, that could devalue it drastically. But short of that happening, it should continue going up. And what's the guy's name? Max something or other. I know his last name's on the tip of my tongue, but he's got a show on RT and he has a super annoying voice. So you'd know exactly who I'm talking about if you heard him. But he and his wife have a show predominantly about crypto. And I think he's predicted that Bitcoin's going to hit a million. There's some crazy high number. He's been absolutely a total bull on Bitcoin for 
years. And I'm not quite to that point, but I do have to agree with him that I think it's going to continue going up. I don't know if we will get to a million, but it certainly could. There's nothing inherently stopping it from getting to a million per Bitcoin. It's a, it's something that as long as you don't mind the risk of losing everything or at least the majority of its value due to government regulations, as long as you don't mind that risk, it certainly is not a bad thing to hold for the next year or two as it continues its rise in value. And I think right now, and this is not indicative of anything, of course, but I think it's up like 18% in the last nine days or 10 days, something like that. Just absolutely crazy numbers. But it is a news item, so there we are. We've talked about it. We can certainly move on from that. Let's see, what else is going on? I guess a small mention, just because I don't want to completely skip over it, to the rest of the country that is now also starting to experience the crazy snowy, icy conditions as the storm left Texas and is slowly, well, it hasn't even completely left. I guess it's still in Houston, but it's slowly making its way northeast and there will be continued negative effects on a lot of sectors from uh, logistics, transportation to food sector to certainly fuel sector as the storm keeps moving. And as I said in my recorded on the iPhone episode, in the dark, the effects of the storm will last much longer than simply the power failure itself. The ripple effects of the lack of production, I believe just right now, is when the refineries are starting to get back online. So we've missed a week's worth of refining, and that's going to have a lot of very serious impact on the availability of fuels. And if not availability, then certainly the price of fuels in the short term. So Keep an eye out for that. Make sure your car is full of gasoline, even if you're not in the cold area, just to minimize having to pay crazy high prices for any more tanks than you absolutely have to. Let's see, what else we got? We've got uh, protests going on in Barcelona. I really like Barcelona. I've spent some time there, and I like the attitude of the people there. I kind of like the separatist movement, and and it's also a beautiful city, and, and the food is great. So there's a lot of pros going for it. So you hate to see people throwing any kind of fireworks or firebombs or any other kind of material. You hope for the most peaceful protests possible because it really is a city not worth destroying, unlike Portland, which I don't really care if it's destroyed. And I've been to Portland. I, I worked there for about nine months. I'll take it or leave it. And so if, if people want to burn down Portland, I guess I'm okay with it. It's their choice. It's their city. Barcelona, not so much. I really don't like seeing the uh, the fires burning in places where I walked myself. That's, uh, that's definitely uh, a sad state of affairs. But I think between the separatist movements and the fact that everybody in the entire world is finally getting to the point of breakdown and frustration with all the mask bullshit going on, I think this is going to be happening more and more. The The masks are a very good indicator, and the, what they're indicating is the level of control that the people in the governments and even private leadership have maintained on the rest of the populace. And the rest of the populace is starting to really get tired of a two-week flattening the curve lasting for over a year. No matter how you slice it, it's pretty damn obvious that at this point that it's not about the disease. It's simply about punishing people that don't do what the government tells them to do. It's about looking down on your neighbors. 
when they don't do things that you believe in on either side, frankly, if you believe in wearing masks and your neighbor doesn't, it's creating an awful lot of friction and tension and hatred even between the neighbors. And, and it's the other direction as well. If you don't believe in wearing the mask and your neighbor believes in wearing the mask, it's the same thing. You look at them and you're thinking, what a stooge of the state. He's making it worse for all of us. Why can't he just take the mask off and walk around like I do? So this is the central uh, problem with all this happening right now is we've got a we've got a group of people that hate another group of people and then a third group of people a very small one sitting and smiling because they're getting to watch the rabble fight amongst themselves instead of coming together and looking at the real cause of the problem which is this small third group of people that is made up of generally very rich and very entitled and very powerful people that have some crazy ideas that ultimately all lead to the same thing, which is control of the rest of the populace. How they achieve that control varies by country and by group, but that is clearly what all these groups' ultimate goal is, is controlling the rest of the population. And this is where I think the phrase that is probably been repeated now more times than it was ever intended to when it was first said that the future is going to be one where the people will own nothing and they will be happy. And and that with that being a goal, everything that has been happening, both with COVID, both with, not both, but with conditioning the population that they have no control over their lives. They need a parent some sort of a, a father or mother figure to tell them what to do, how to dress, where they can go, where they can eat, who they can meet with and who they cannot meet with. All these things under the guise of protection. And totalitarianism always starts with the guise of protection. That's how you sell the idea that people will be trading a little bit of their freedom for a little bit of security and as well as i do that as soon as you start trading freedom for security you end up with neither it's a bad trade but this is the direction that we're being pushed in and unfortunately that's also the direction that a lot of people are willing to go down if something is proposed and it seems a little weird to you and it's supposed to make you safer and make others safer i think that it is our duty to question the validity of that because simply because somebody tells you do this and you will be safer and your neighbors will be safer. It doesn't actually mean that they know what they're talking about, nor does it mean they don't have ulterior motives. They could be stupid or they could be playing you or a combination of those things. And it's incumbent on all of us to independently evaluate what we're being told and what we're actually doing in response to that. And right now, I certainly hope that the winds are changing more to the direction of keeping freedom, even if it means not having this theoretical safety that is being flung out at you. Now, I will have to briefly address the the Q conspiracy theories that I'm starting to pop up again. I can't believe Q's back, where they're starting to come up with stories of blaming 
the Texas freeze and subsequent blackout disaster on either Biden or China. So let me just put a stop to both of those for anybody listening. Q is a disinformation group. Anything that comes out of there is meant to make things worse for the entire country. You don't want to hear that's too fucking bad. That's reality. And if you're falling for it, then you're part of the problem, buddy. The rest of us are trying to actually improve things. So with that said, let me address both Biden and China. So China allegedly owns a lot of the windmill production facilities in Texas and in other places. And China certainly has been investing into infrastructure in the U.S. and other countries. They own huge chunks of African infrastructure as well. And as everybody knows, or hopefully everybody knows, there's no such thing as a private industry, private company in China. Every business is partly owned by the Chinese government. That's part of the deal, part of the package of being in a socialist country, but yet still running a corporation, is the state gets to be a part of that. So while we can find some things that seem very true to what is being put out by the conspiracies out there, that China actually does some own some infrastructure, it's a long way to then draw the line from that to they are somehow orchestrating a cold freeze in Texas. And then the, the system, which has been designed and operational for well over a decade in Texas, which came about during deregulation of the way that energy, the electricity is traded, is somehow being influenced by China. You don't have to look that far. There is plenty of stupid actors and bad faith actors And both of those categories are absolutely American. And they are part of the problem that we have here in Texas. There are people that are too stupid to be involved in this market. And there are people that are too greedy and evil to be involved in this market that are contributing to the results that we've seen over the course of last week. And it's not just last week, because what led up to last week were the results of years and years of decision-making by people both in Texas and in the federal government that have prioritized certain technologies for power generation over others and have done the opposite by, for example, not giving any more nuclear licenses to build any more nuclear plants in the United States. So we have government-controlled actions on both sides, both encouraging certain things and discouraging or simply not allowing other things that greatly affected the results of the blackouts. And now we've got rolling blackouts in other places as well. And I I know I said I wouldn't be getting to the storm and I really don't want to. This is just like you can't talk about Biden or about China without now, of course, reading something in the news that ties both of them to to the disaster that I'm recovering from myself here as well in Texas. So Biden has certainly acted extremely slowly. I will say that that is correct. It appears like after three days of doing nothing, he has requested FEMA to provide water to Texas residents, which is, that's a good thing because there's been a lot of pipes that have burst here. Pretty much most of the state of Texas, certainly all the larger cities in Texas, have water boil orders, which means the water can be contaminated. doesn't mean it is. It just means it might be. So, you really need to boil it to make sure that any sort of bacteria end up getting killed in that water. But 
Nonetheless, even though he added fairly slow disaster relief, I don't think that he ordered something like what I've seen on some of these websites to where Biden is literally controlling the Texas grid and ordering the Texas grid to ignore its customers and freeze people because he doesn't like the state of Texas. Like he may not like the state of Texas, but he literally does not have the power to do that. He doesn't even have that many friends that might be able to do that if it was merely for a, well, I'm going to help Biden because I know that Texas didn't vote for him and, and he doesn't like Texas. Because anybody that would be that would be participating willingly in what happened last week with the blackouts is absolutely putting their personal future and their lives, frankly, at risk. Because the the witch hunt to find the people that were responsible is going to be going on for at least a month, possibly months here in Texas. And I suspect a lot of people, and quite possibly our governor, are going to end up looking for new jobs because they will be kicked out or certainly not reelected when the time comes. Because there, it, there are a lot of mad people. There are a lot of people that were completely unprepared for this disaster. And all of those people are currently holding a pitchfork and ready to go after somebody. So I need to move on off this topic. Otherwise, I'm going to have another two-hour episode dealing mostly with this. And I do want to tease a little bit. In a future episode, I'll actually talk about windmills specifically and explain how windmills are absolutely the worst type of green energy. In fact, they are worse for the environment than just about every other type of energy. But that's as far as I'm going to go today. I'm still putting together information and outline for that episode, but I will certainly have more details as I get closer to putting it together. That will be also a longer episode, I think. What else we got going on in the news? I'm just scrolling through, seeing what stories I've read... (laughs) everything's tied to Texas. Like there's half the news I'm looking at. All the stores are empty in Texas. Yes, they are. Most of the stores don't have either anything in the refrigerated section, very little in the produce section, and a lot of the dry goods like breads and cereals and stuff are also sold out currently. Are we hearing anything about the pandemic? Oh, yes, we are. Look at that. We have the Biden miracle happening. It appears that... Over the last six weeks, or roughly the Biden administration, coronavirus is a deaths or cases. It's not really clear here. So deaths slash and or cases asterisk, one of those or a combination thereof, seem to be down by 70%, which is amazing. So no one's really changed any behavior. All the states are, I think, mostly doing what they were doing prior to Biden coming in. The It's got to be deaths. I, I, I think it's deaths because... Because the case numbers that I'm seeing are slowly going down, but they're definitely not 60% down. So it must be deaths that are 60% down, which is a amazing shocker. Or maybe do you think possibly the people that actually had primary conditions that made them very susceptible to infections have now actually died? And the only deaths that we're seeing are people that are less susceptible to secondary infections. And I certainly would put COVID into a secondary infection category. It is not a primary cause of death. It's not a primary infection. So yeah, that would seem like the most logical thing to me is if you have a bunch of people that are uh, barely surviving because their immune system is completely compromised and now they get pneumonia, they're going to die first. But then after they've died, 
other people that get pneumonia aren't going to really die in nearly as big a percentage. Most of them are going to survive even if they had to battle pneumonia. So yeah, deaths are down. Well, it's good, right? We don't want people dying for whatever reason. Ted Cruz, this is like a three-minute segment. Ted did a funny thing. A stupid thing, but a funny thing. About a month, not even, several weeks after pointing the finger and shaming the mayor of Austin for taking a vacation in Cabo. Ted Cruz takes a vacation to Cabo. Oh, sorry. No, not to Cabo. Maybe this is better. Ted takes a vacation to Cancun, the other side of Mexico. So the Adler, the mayor of Austin, went to Cabo. Cruz went to Cancun. They both went to Mexico. They both went with their families. And the difference is what? The mayor took that vacation during COVID right after telling people to stay away from their families for, for the holidays and to not travel. So basically just did the opposite of what he was telling people to do. He's also the mayor. So he's making direct policy and impact to the city of Austin. Ted Cruz is not a state politician. He is a federal politician. He's a, a senator. And so... He has no sway on what the state of Texas does or what any of the cities, whether it's Houston or where he lives or other cities do. So Ted Cruz going on vacation may impact his ability to read bills in the Senate, maybe. I don't know, whatever he normally does in the Senate, but it certainly doesn't impact the state of Texas. So him going on vacation is not that big a deal. And certainly him going on vacation if he doesn't have power in his house where his family lives in Texas, is extremely reasonable. And I, like I said, I had plenty of friends, the people that could afford to, the people that didn't have pets to travel with, they all left the state of Texas. Why wouldn't you? Why would you want to stay in a disaster area and consume some of the electricity and some of the food, some of the water by staying when you could leave? If you leave, then all those resources, food, food water, energy could be used by other people who actually have no choice but to stay. So I could have potentially gone somewhere outside of Texas. I didn't because I have pets and my pets don't travel. They're reptiles. So it's a, a make all the jokes you want, by the way. And so consequently, I'm staying here no matter what. If half my friends leave the city, guess what? That's more electricity that they're not using that I could be using. So that's a good thing. That's the way I look at the, the Ted Cruz situation. I think he should not have apologized. There was nothing to apologize for. The worst part about it, and the only thing that I think people can nitpick at, is the fact that he very recently made fun of Mayor Adler, but for a good reason. And unfortunately, going to the exact same country, also on vacation, even though he has way better reasons to go, or more legitimacy in leaving anyway, nonetheless makes him look like a hypocrite, which he's not. So I don't think it's a big deal. And I think if anything, it'll probably make him come out stronger after this because he's human too. He makes mistakes. He didn't think about the optics, as they say. There's nothing wrong with doing what he did, but the optics of doing what he did do look a little or make him look a little bit bad. So there's my three minutes on that, probably more like seven minutes on that topic. Is there anything else that we need to cover? I know that I talked about Rush last time and uh, there's been a lot of well-wishers. There's been a lot of assholes that have been talking about him as well in very negative terms. But 
Rush had that while he was alive, so I don't see why that would change when he's dead as, as well. And for a man that greatly influenced the art of speech, as uh, all of us are involved in to some degree that do podcasting, I certainly have a soft spot in my heart for him as well. So with that note, I'm going to wrap it up. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we'll be back to more current political stuff in the future with some specials as well as possibly some interviews happening before too long. I hope you enjoy it. And as always, thanks for joining me. Please do keep in mind that nothing in this podcast represents financial, legal, or medical advice. 